Bluegrass Jamalong is proud to be sponsored by Collins Guitars and Mandolins, each and every one built from the sound up in Austin, Texas. This episode is also brought to you by Peghead Nation, the home of Roots Music Instruction. If you want to improve your playing, join me and thousands of other pickers getting better every day at pegheadnation.com. Hello, this is Charlotte Karivik and you're listening to Bluegrass Jamalong, the podcast for anyone and everyone who plays bluegrass. Hey everybody, it's interview time on Bluegrass Jamalong again and my guest this week is Charlotte Karivik. Um, Charlotte is a multi-instrumentalist, primarily a guitar player these days. Um, she's part of the band Midnight Sky Racer, also performs regularly with her sister um, as part of the Karivik Sisters and in many other bands. If you've been in and around the UK sort of folk and bluegrass scene for any amount of time, you'll have come across Charlotte. Um, and the rest of you may well have seen her via her series of Flat Pick of the Week videos on YouTube and Instagram. She's a great picker, really great player, um, and I really enjoyed having a chat with her. So here's the interview. So Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. The first thing I realise is I don't know exactly how to pronounce your surname. Uh nor do I, to be honest. Um, it's, I think it's Karivik. Um, it's a Cornish name, but um, yeah, Karivik, I think is right. And is that is that where your family's from, Cornwall? Uh, my granddad is, but um, uh, I grew up, well, I was born in Sheffield, which is in South Yorkshire, and uh, grew up in South Devon, so, but living in Somerset now. So. And how did somebody from Devon get into playing American music? Um, so I have a twin sister, um, and she's a fiddle player and there was a folk group at school. Um, so she joined that, uh, playing violin. Um, and I joined in, our dad had a mandolin stashed under the bed and I was taking that along, but I didn't really know what I was doing with it. I was learning classical guitar at the time. And, um, so he was looking for a mandolin teacher for me, um, and couldn't find one locally, but came across um, an event called Sawfingers Summer Schools, um, which, if you've not heard of it, it's a, yeah. it's a bluegrass course. But they and they they bring over, you know, for for anyone listening who's not heard of it, rather sorry, is that they bring in bring over all the the top players from the states to come and teach for a week, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's bl- just happened to be a bluegrass course. It wasn't that we were looking for that or anything. It's just that they taught mandolin there, so. Um, went along and did Matt Flinner's course and got absolutely hooked. And while we were there, we met um, met some people who ran a session quite locally to us. So we started going along to that and uh, learnt that way, really. And what sort of age was that then when you were sort of starting, when you first went to Saw Fingers? Uh, I think we had our 13th birthday there. It was either our 13th or 14th birthday there. It was kind of we were definitely 13 for some of it <laughs> I can't, can't think but yeah quite a long time ago now yeah it must have been a really really cool experience kind of at that age just to be immersed in that amount of music making in one place yeah it was brilliant because obviously we'd we'd never really heard that music before um particularly um and we had we actually had a bit because our, our parents have always listened to Alison Krauss but when we were little we really didn't like it and I I don't know why um and I feel 
embarrassed about that now, obviously. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, it was it was brilliant. And because there aren't that many children, I guess, who are into it, certainly in this country, um, everyone's incredibly welcoming, and they sort of open their arms as wide as possible to sort of get you in and, and encourage you. And um, so it was just a really great experience. Um, yeah, and the tutors were brilliant. And, you know, Stuart Duncan was there that year. So <laughs> it's Wow. I guess that's the thing as a kid is learning an instrument is one thing, but finding other people to play with can be quite hard. So I guess a, you had that, but also you had somebody else at home to play with because you had your sister. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so my sister, uh, she plays fiddle and dobro now. Um, and, uh, well, she plays guitar and mandolin as well and all sorts of things. But um, but also our dad plays guitar. He was he used to do uh, finger-picking stuff. He was into James Taylor and all that kind of thing. But he's he can he had to come along to chaperone us, so he plays bluegrass guitar now as well. So there were always three of us. We could never convince our mum to learn bass, unfortunately, but... Um, would have been good <laughs> and so I guess um, you, you're one of those interesting musicians for me just from my point of view and that my exposure to you has entirely been like online rather than at gigs or hearing albums first my initial sort of introduction to you was seeing you putting up fiddle tunes on guitar um, and is is right okay. you know and it's, this is the way the world is at the moment often you can find somebody and get a quite a deep insight into how they play without ever having been to a gig or bought a record um which i've done since obviously but and i wondered is so is guitar more your main instrument now or do you not really think of yourself as having a main instrument uh guitar is my main one definitely um yeah i started out on guitar but classical but not taught in classical sense i was just learning classical guitar but mostly self-taught really so it's just um and then then mandolin and then i got into bluegrass guitar from mandolin I guess because it's sort of fairly transferable skills and because uh, my sister Laura and I were playing in a duo together guitar's just a it's a more straightforward it's not necessarily better but it's certainly more straightforward to use that for com- accompanying songs and things rather than mandolin and you know she'd nab the fiddle so it's kind of <laughs> yeah lumped with guitar <laughs> Yeah, I definitely found that. I think um, I play mandolin as well, but in the last 18 months or so, being at home, just craved a bigger sound and that sort of resonance of a guitar and just sitting playing mandolin on my own doesn't fill the room in the same sort of way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you just want you want a bit more low end, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so that and so it sounds like quite a bit of your um, sort of early live playing and sort of music making was as part of a duo or a trio or in sort of smaller settings. Yeah, it was. Um, so we we did have a band when we were sixteen. We had a band with a a banjo player, the same age as us, us from Cornwall. Um, her name was her name's JC Harris, and she's a um, she mostly plays guitar and sings now, but she's brilliant. Um, we had a band called Blue South. Um, our dad played guitar with us, and we had a couple of bass players who alternated, and and so that was really really nice but the you know the three of us fronted it which was you know got us the gigs really <laughs> yeah. three three young young you know teenage girls trying to do it and they kind of you know cells <laughs> but, uh, um and then yeah it was it was really nice and so it was really nice to 
and strange, surprising to find someone our age who is relatively local. So she's from Cornwall, sort of down. Um, she's in Redruth, sort of always been down that way. So um, I think it must be about an hour and a half from home and at two hours or something like that, which is that's as close as you're going to get, really. Um, so, yeah, we, we were doing that and the duo, and we've had lots of other bands with with various other players over the years but um the the main sort of professional element i guess has been duo except now i guess now sort of flip that around and you're you're in a band which sounds like it's even more sort of um spread out geographically than than your trio was i spread a very long way yeah with tabitha being in um, south carolina now that's 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 made the distance even more she used to be in northern ireland um and yeah, so Midnight Sky Racer, that's that's been really fun. It's kind of it's something that I've been wanting to do for years and years and years, but just waiting for the the right pieces to fall together. Um and yeah, it's just as soon as the first time we all played together, it was just it's like um just this sort of feeling of relaxation really, I suppose. It's like this huge weight, it's like, ah, oh, this is what I know how to do. You know, never had a never had such a great feeling um five piece bluegrass band to play with before like the that rhythm section with with Eleanor and Leanne um on bass and mandolin they they fit together really well and it's just really fun to play with them um and Tabitha obviously is amazing on banjo um yeah. And was it was it sort of consciously put together as a band, or did you sort of happen to play at a festival and realise you got on? It was consciously put together. Yeah, um, it was. We kind of we just you know it was, I thought it'd be fun to have a band that was all girls, just more from a just more from a social point of view, really, and that kind of thing. Just it's just nice to do that kind of thing sometimes, and. Um, uh, I say I say girls. Apart from Tabitha, we're all probably women now. I guess. Oh, Tabitha's a woman. Yeah, I say. Yeah, Tabitha. I always think of. I guess she's a woman too, but she's 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 quite a lot younger than the rest of us. But um, yeah, I'm oh, probably digging holes <laughs> now. Um, okay. So um, I've forgotten what I was saying basically waiting for the right people to come along so it kind of had had we didn't know everyone that well obviously I, I know Laura really well um <laughs> but uh and I've known Elena for a long time but not really being close friends just kind of known that you know kind of known each other to say hello to obviously because it's a small scene um and then kind of knew of and had met once with Leanne um and then it was just kind of waiting for a great banjo player to um, appear and be old enough to travel on our own. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. So it was like Tabitha, and it's like okay, now's now's that we've got the we've got the lineup. Let's see if they'll do it. And uh, they said yeah, so that was good. I can't remember where I either read or heard, but I have a sort of memory of you describing Midnight Sky Racer as a, like a proper bluegrass band rather than something progressive or the kind of things you've done through and that was something you really wanted to do was the more traditional sort of five piece 
Yeah, yeah, and and I would never say we're traditional. Um, you know, not not along the lines of Bill Monroe Flat and Scruggs kind of traditional, but it's I think it's inarguably bluegrass. Um, whether whether you're someone who likes the more sort of modern kind of style of it or not, I think you would say it was bluegrass. I, I hope you would. Um, whereas we've done we've done other other things before. Um, and this cardboard fox as well. It's still still an ongoing project, although we don't do much with that at the moment. Um, which is far more uh, modern, um, and it's just it's mostly just a, a lineup of instruments thing. And is have having that full set of five, and you know how well that works. Just those five instruments, they just work. All the roles are filled, um, and it's great when that happens. Yeah, and, and there, you know, there's there's a, a definite depth and range across. The, I mean, I I saw you in London a few weeks ago at King's Place, so I obviously haven't seen the five of you in the band because Tabitha couldn't make it because she's stuck over the other side right. of the Atlantic. Yeah, but um, just even you know seeing yeah. you in that form with a with a sort of standing fifth member, just the range and depth of the voices and the instrumental styles, and you have the ability to swap instruments in and out as well. Um, you can cover a lot of ground, can't you? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we can. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, Tabitha wasn't there. But the contrast between Tabitha's voice and Leanne's voice—they're both equally brilliant singers. You know, I could listen to either of them sing anything all day. Um, and but they're they're so different while still being great um, and still being within that style that it it does leave a lot of things open. And we've all got really broad tastes and interests in terms of music um and and just as as far as bluegrass is concerned as well so there's there's quite a lot of variety in there i think we'll be right back with you just after this collins guitars has been a long-time supporter of the bluegrass community from collaborating with artists to sponsoring festivals big and small and now by sponsoring bluegrass jam along Handmade in Austin, Texas, every Collings guitar and mandolin that leaves the shop is built from the sound up, and the team loves seeing a Collings in the hands of players of all levels, from local musicians to world-renowned pickers. Visit collingsguitars.com for more. This episode is also brought to you by Peghead Nation, the home of Roots Music Instruction. With 65 streaming video courses for guitar, mandolin, banjo, fiddle, dobro, bass and ukulele from some of the leading names in acoustic music, Peghead Nation is something for every picker. You'll learn the tunes and techniques you need to join in at jams and play the music you love, plus advanced techniques like improvisation, theory and ear training. Your first course is just $20 per month and you can add more for $10 a month. Sign up for any course and get your first month free with the promo code JAMALONG, all one word. Join thousands of other players, including me, who are advancing on their instruments and having more fun playing the roots music they love at pegheadnation.com. You've also got some great original songs. You've got solid writing skills in the band too, both both tunes and, and songs as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a, a nice surprise actually because it was it was it wasn't intended to go very far. Really, we we we've never had a five-piece band that's been able to because the more people you have in the band the more it costs to keep a band going so it was kind of like okay well we'll try and get some festivals we'll just have a bit of fun we'll do some of our favorite bluegrass covers and and that kind of thing and then um 
Eleanor, who I didn't even... I knew she wrote tunes. I didn't know she wrote songs. I'm not sure she had written songs before, actually. Uh, she was the one who kind of kick-started the, the songwriting um, element of it. Uh, and so we we kind of ended up doing mostly original stuff. And when it was really early on and, and we were offered a, a tour in Germany and Switzerland, but the deal was... We'd only been together a few months. We put out a couple of videos and, and they kind of went mad on, on the internet. And um, uh, we got off this tour. It was a really short, you know, short time frame. But he said, you can, you can do this. I can book you this really great tour, but you've got to have an album. So we thought, OK, let's, we'd better write an album. Um, so <laughs> uh, it, it had a real heavy boot up it to kind of get it going um i guess and yeah, uh, yeah it was it's it was great because now we uh, we've kind of fairly prolific in terms of songwriting within the band um there are quite a few left in the wings that we haven't done anything with yet but um yeah that's that's good raring to all get back together and kind of get back on it yeah yeah really really hoping things come off we've got a load of stuff next summer and yeah so we're really desperately hoping it comes off and and uh, we can get tabitha over and be the the five of us again because we missed her <laughs> it was weird without her. Well, you had quite a chaotic tour didn't you in the end <laughs> yeah that kind of just fizzled to an end <laughs> in the end it was just um so yeah it was we couldn't find someone who uh who could do the the banjo dep um and so i ended up having to play banjo but i don't play bluegrass banjo i play claw hammer so it wasn't quite the same thing so but we and we got um vera van hearing and as a dep for me she's brilliant obviously um so she did a great job but it was it was different anyway because obviously i'm i'm not a bluegrass banjo player um and so there was that element but then you know various people had to yeah, you know, Laura had to drop out for one gig because of her daughter being ill, and then the last two gigs, um, Eleanor had to drop out, and Laura had to drop out, and yeah, so it ended up just. And uh, Leanne, Leanne thought, "This is no, I, I don't. This is enough. There's too many people have dropped out." But uh, Vera and I thought, "Right, we'll <laughs> we'll carry on. We're gonna." <laughs> gonna see this to the end so um we yeah last last couple of gigs it was just me and vera so i was kind of the only original member left <laughs> left on the tour which was funny um but actually it was a really those two shows were really fun all of it was you know pretty much all of it was good um in, enjoyable different but enjoyable I mean, I think that's probably the first live music I've seen in about eighteen months. So, I mean, that was a treat just to get to yeah, anything's to good if you in, in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, that makes it sound like I'm just saying it was good because I was out of the house. It was actually brilliant. As well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I think what I what I love as well is the, um, there's there's a real sort of on stage chat sort of between you and between you and the audience, which is a bit of a folk music thing anyway. You don't tend to get it in the same way with rock music and pop music, but there's a definite kind of talking to the room, you know. Yeah, yeah, sort of a bit haphazard. <laughs> it's always very entertaining. And it's, I, the thing that I made me laugh is I thought I was the only person who'd ever, ever been in a band with a song named after a potato, but it turns out not. 
Oh, right, you've got one of those, you? <laughs> we did the last band I was in had a song called uh, Yethom's Yellow Gypsy, which is a type of potato. Oh, that's a really good name. That is a good Random name. Random Connections. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a whole album. <laughs> so I'd, I'd really like to um, talk a little bit about your guitar style, if that's all right, because that's kind of okay. one of the yeah. main reasons I was really keen to talk to you, just watching the, the stuff you've been putting out over lockdown over the last couple of years and... I don't think I've ever seen anybody play guitar quite like you do. Um, there's a there's a real sort of through line to everything you do. The notes connect to each other, um, but there's also just a sense of like you seem so happy to go up the neck playing a fiddle tune, um, and almost like it's almost like watching a banjo player using open strings and fretted notes, and everything seems to be available, and it's such a lovely thing to watch. And I wondered if your style had developed. Like if you could pinpoint how it's changed and how you got to where you got to, because it's pretty unique, I think. Yeah, so the I guess the say it's a little bit like a banjo player. I I, I do play banjo, so um, there's maybe some element of that. Um, uh, my influences are mostly, I say influences. My influence is mostly David Greer. Um, he's my absolute hero. Um, and uh, so I'm really interested in flat picking guitar as a solo instrument, um, which is something that I think is hard to hard to get right, um, or hard to, or at least hard to feel happy with. I, I often think that actually it's a case of just playing a straight line flat pick cleanly um, does sound great, but it's hard to convince yourself that that's the case. Um, and so it's, I'm always trying to find ways to fill out that sound a little bit. Um, and so including open strings and, and things when, even when you're playing up the neck, um, is a way of doing that. Um, and trying to, I really like to try and imply the harmony in the melody as much as possible. So try and get the chords going and the bass notes from those underneath it. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's something I, I'm also, uh, I'm really keen on the idea of um, it being a process of exploring ideas. So um, I, for a time I was kind of bored with my playing and then I think it was something David Greer said actually on a, again at Saw Fingers he taught the course there and I, I kind of went on his course and um, it was some, something he said along the lines of, you know, if you find you know, take a take a small idea and, and just expand that and explore that as far as you can. So like you might take it you might you might think, okay, so I've done this sort of thing, what happens if I change this element or if I try that sort of thing but try it here or you know I'm being a little bit vague I think, but just the the whole idea of just having fun with it and not really worrying or having any particular thoughts about where you're going. Um, I think that's something that informs the way I do those arrangements. Um, and so, when, so those the things that you're talking about, the fiddle tune arrangements and things, they um, they're not off the cuff. They're they they are arrangements. The things I've sat down and, and found uh, ways of doing it. And I kind of 
it sounds horribly horribly pretentious, but I kind of think of it as like flat picking poetry in in a sense in that rather than like if you if I was to actually perform it or, or want to listen to it normally, then I would want to put those put those ideas a lot more spread out, like develop them more slowly you know rather than sort of it's kind of like everything is crammed into one thing because I'm trying to get it all into get a load of ideas into one take because the whole point of, of it originally was that it was an, an Instagram series so you get a minute and that's it so you only get one time round the tune um, and so it's kind of like okay I've got this idea I've got this idea how do I crowbar those in but so- make it sound like it's not crowbarred um, and uh, so that's what I've been doing for the past year I suppose and it's um, it's been really really fun to do it um, yeah, it's 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 taught me a lot about about playing and things, and it's well, the main thing is it's just kept me playing. That's that's all because you know while gigs have been cancelled and things, it's it's just been really good to have a focus because I'm naturally pretty lazy. Um, so if I don't have anything like that, I just won't play. <laughs> so, um, as much as I love it, I just won't do it. That's why I started making a podcast. It gave me a deadline every week, you know, because nobody else was going to give me one. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. With a de- without a deadline, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that thought about David Greer and exploring ideas, I think it's a lovely thing. Um, Brian Sutton talks about the massive influence of John Hartford on him, and just the John Hartford saying, "Play with the music. Don't just play the music. Play with the music. Yeah, you know, play around with the music yeah. is the is the essence of it, and and just yeah. see what you can do. And it's very. Yeah. And because there's so, even a simple tune, like I don't know, Billy in the Low Ground or something, there's so many places you can go with that. And so many, you know, you've got different rhythms, you've got improvisation, you've got reharmonization, you've got, there's, there's so much you can do. Um, and I think that's the interesting thing about fiddle tunes and what I love about them is that they are and can be such a simple, effective, shared language. And at the same time, they can, as you say, be poetry and anything in between. Um, and so for the Instagram series, did you find yourself learning new tunes or do you naturally just have a store of are these all tunes you knew already? No, it's, no, they're tunes I kind of uh, had heard or, um, you know, lots of them I already knew, um, but hadn't really gone into in that detail or anything. Um, but yeah, because I... Um, because I'm a, an old-time banjo player as well, so there's there's a vast catalogue of old-time fiddle tunes, um, which are such great tunes, and they're sort of a little bit untapped in, in the bluegrass guitar sense, um, because they're not bluegrass tunes, I guess they're old-time tunes, but they, but you know, loads of the the jam tunes now that we think of are bluegrass tunes, they're, they're old-time tunes, but they kind of just crossed over into that, and there are hmm. so many more that could do that, but they just haven't done it yet. Um, and uh, so, I was, you know, often I'll pick a tune just because I like the name, or, or you know, I, I kind of get into a particular old fiddle player um, and start listening to some of their things and think, oh, then that one and, and that one and that one. I've, I've got a a list it's not a very long list to be honest because uh you know I, I need to address it again but i've got a list of tunes that i keep if i hear one and think okay i should add that to my list and and learn that eventually but um i can't remember most of them now 
<laughs> so, uh, I'd, you know, I'd pick them up quicker, I guess. But uh, yeah. it's sort of a bit in one in one hand out the other with me. But um, yeah, there's only so much you can store in your head at any one time, especially once you've had kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, one day when I start having some sleep again, I might remember <laughs> something. <laughs> So talking about kind of guitar as a solo instrument, I love that. And kind of David Greer is obviously a great example of being able to play. And and, and Tony Rice and like Brian Sutton playing tunes like Secesh on um, one of his albums. And just that ability to sort of sound like you're being accompanied, but you're not. is a It's a joyous sound when yeah. people can do it. Is that something you've like done much with you, planning like a, an album for that or a project? Or is it just a, a sort of personal... Sort of uh, I, maybe one day one day if I get time I, I might um, I might do something like that um, but at, at the minute it's it it started out as just a a personal development thing like you say it's just like I thought it'd be fun um, and uh, now I'm running this Patreon thing so it's kind of I have to do it. It's own, it was month. It was weekly, and it's now monthly. Um, just because uh, when baby number two came along, I just thought there's just no way I can keep doing this weekly. Um, uh, hopefully, I'll up it again one day. But um, uh, for now, it's monthly, and and it's just yeah. So now it's something that I have to do because I it's like a, a deadline that people are, are paying me to do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's still fun. Yeah. Obviously, I wouldn't do it otherwise. But. Uh, yeah, there's a lot out there. You've done. You put together yeah, pretty. Did that answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You put. Yeah, there's quite a bit of content there now with all the tunes <laughs> and the tab books, and you know, there's quite a quite a list of tunes there. And as you say, yeah, some with pretty yeah, pretty comical names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just. I think it's. I'm. Uh, fifty six will be the next one. Number fifty six. So it's a it's a fair back catalogue of stuff now. Are you are you teaching much these days? I know you've done quite a bit of teaching over the years. Uh, I'm not at the minute, just because um, I'm, a, you know, kind of attached to a six month old baby who's she's not on a bottle, so I can't um, I can't really leave her or commit to definitely being able for a, able to teach someone for a specific hour time slot without one or other person being awake and needing me so not yet but I will be doing eventually that must have made touring interesting yeah it was it was uh yeah an added um things (laughs) yeah it was it was it was interesting because my sister has a well she's uh she's coming up to to a year old now but she was 10 months or something like that um when we were doing the tour and uh so we had we had our mum along with us uh trying to look after both of them which was a total nightmare because uh they were both into you know like my sister's uh little girl she just started sort of cruising around everything and was into absolutely everything um mine annie she's a, a <laughs> she's younger obviously so it was a little bit easier to settle but sound check time was her her bath time so she was a total nightmare then whilst it was just it was i think it was hell backstage <laughs> but, uh, um yeah got got through <laughs> it we all survived <laughs> so, 
Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess connected to the teacher thing, I, the one thing I was going to ask you about, just because it's something I find very interesting, is that as a multi-instrumentalist, obviously you've spent, invested a lot of time in each of those instruments. And I, a lot of people um, talk about whether to focus on one instrument, whether to learn two, like how to... And from my point of view, I have a limited amount of time to play these days, and so I'm, I'm sort of focusing on one. But I wondered if you had a, any thoughts about it, because obviously each thing you learn informs the other, and learning mandolin makes you a better guitar player, which makes you a better mandolin player. And I wondered if there's anybody listening out there thinking, should I stick to one or, you know? It's a really hard question. Um, there are definitely times when I wish I'd just focused on one instrument. Um, but I'd find it hard to choose which one. Um, uh, I think I think it probably depends a little bit on your personality. If you're someone who's able to to be totally satisfied focusing on one instrument and and going down that route, then that's that's brilliant. But I kind of I'm some I guess I'm fairly easily distracted, and I, I kind of hear something. I think oh, I want to be able to do that, and I, I won't rest until I've at least tried it. And if I if I try and do something, I generally will want to persevere and see it through. But so certain instruments are they they kind of uh, you know they'll it's not like if I spend twenty minutes practicing mandolin, it's equal to spending twenty minutes practicing guitar. But it might be like spending ten minutes practicing guitar. You know, so it's it's not like they're it's not the worst thing in the it's not taking away too much but it's also it also gives you a bit of a break if you're if you maybe need a break from from the ideas you might get on one instrument or another i find it really useful for songwriting playing different instruments because and tune writing because different things um will kind of enforce different ideas and and things like that um but yeah i i, I kind of there are so many instruments I, I want to learn. I tried to learn fiddle once, and I, I don't do that anymore because it's just I live in a flat anyway. It's loud, and and I felt guilty. And <laughs> um, and trumpet, I haven't played that for a while, but I really want to get back to that because that's fun. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's always something new. Fiddle is particularly um, can be particularly antisocial, can't it? We've got our ne- we've got new next door neighbours, and they play double bass and cello, and that's quite a nice noise to just sort of drift through the walls in the evening. Yeah, but I'm sort of glad they don't play fiddle or saxophone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, especially because the stuff I was I was doing the old time stuff, and I really like the horrible scratchy, you know, slightly out of tune kind of stuff. So that's what I was learning, and you just think, no, this isn't actually to everyone's taste. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so what um, what have you got coming up then? What's is it mostly Midnight Sky Racer focused? You, you're playing several different combos i guess and with festival season next summer there must be various bits going on yeah uh, i haven't looked that far ahead to be honest i i only really look maybe a week ahead <laughs> otherwise i get get in a muddle but um i i know we're touring with midnight sky racer in the summer i don't think actually there's a lot on between now and then i'm recording with uh laura the a duo album in august and i guess we'll be i think we're touring that in i think it's november but i could be totally wrong about that um and that's something i'm really excited about actually we've not done a duo album for a really long time not a proper one we did a live one just as like an interim thing but we've had so many other um 
projects in between that um, we've just kind of not we've put out so many albums with other bands we've not really had a window to do a duo one um, and we got some really nice stuff for that so I'm looking forward to that which will be good um, and yeah between now and then I'll just be ploughing out you know churning out the tunes I guess yeah, yeah. which is fun <laughs> cool and I, I read um, I think it must be on your website but a list of your musical heroes um, there's Matt Flinner Adam Steffi Mike Marshall Chris Thiele David Greer Kenny Smith Brian Sutton you know a list a list of people that would be inspiring to to anybody I was wondering if there were particular often if I interview somebody for the the podcast they can remember hearing a particular player at a particular moment or hear you know just seeing somebody and going oh what's that um just talking to justin moses a few weeks ago and he's got a very vivid memory of seeing ron block play with alice and Krios. and i wondered if there were you know if there were, you talked about david right. greer as being kind of the key influence there i wondered if that list had changed over time or if that was uh david greer's so like I said, it's kind of got into the, the music through Sore Fingers um, and Mandolin. Matt Flinner was the tutor there, so he's like, I, you know, I idolise him. He was just, he was a brilliant first tutor, and um, I just, I still absolutely love his playing. Um, his, David Greer was on his album, so that's my sort of first time I've heard him Um but yeah, people that have had that kind of impact, it's kind of hard to say an individual thing. I think because just hearing hearing that kind of bluegrass thing for the first time when we went there, or it must—it's nearly twenty years ago now. Um, I think, I guess Joe Mullins, uh, banjo player, hearing hearing him, but mm. it's actually maybe more the harmonies that I can't remember who was who else was singing they did like they used to do a lot more in terms of uh they don't do it so much now but a lot more in terms of the tutors getting together and putting on a concert and it was always used to be everything was free I think now it's more like there are ticketed concerts throughout the week and, and stuff like that but um they did a a workshop I think uh, or a, con- a concert sort of workshop thing on bluegrass harmonies and, and not having heard that before and hearing Joe Mullins do his, his he's a great singer as well as a great banjo player really great sort of bluesy thing I think and hearing him and whoever else was in that band I can't remember now um, doing that that kind of I remember, although I can't remember who was in it, I remember it vividly, if that makes sense. I remember the, the, the kind <laughs> yeah, of impact yeah, of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I'm hopeless at answering these questions on the spot. But, yeah, d- David Greer, yeah, David Greer, Matt Flinner and David Greer, they're, they're the kind of, they're my yeah, yeah. Uh, real huge influences, I guess. And what a joy to have been able to be taught by both of them, um, particularly, you know, being over here where that's a less common occurrence to, you know, been able to actually spend some time with them. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, there's nothing quite like it. Um, have you, have you been to Sawfingers? I've probably met you there and not realised. And... So, I, no, I booked to go twice and both times had to cancel once, um, 
I think once was for a, once was for a wedding, and once I I was booked to do the Mike Marshall mandolin course, and we had to move house that week, and there was no other time we could do it. Ah, oh, that's annoying. So yeah, I was gutted about that. Yeah. Um... But the joy of the internet now is, you know, you can you can get guitar lessons from lots of. I'm now learning from Brian Sutton on the Artist Works oh, site, right, and that's yeah. a, such a amazing thing to be able to do. Yeah, the Artist Works thing is brilliant. It's really brilliant. But yeah, so Sore Fingers should try and go again if you know if and when it it's up and running again. Um, it's just it's not the main thing. Isn't the tutors in a way? It's it's more the the camaraderie of the the students and and just the overall atmosphere there's a huge buzz about it um and i imagine when it first comes back together it's going to be even more so it's just um it's a it's a week long party and it's exhausting and um brilliant mm. and um but yeah it's it's great for learning as well but um the the just the the being there is is brilliant. We've not missed one since we first went, um, and wow. I don't intend to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go. You know. Um, so, if people want to find out a bit more about the the tunes um, and what you've got coming up in terms of gigs, where's the best place for people to find you? We'll stick links in the show notes. Uh, best place? Uh, yeah, I guess. My website's probably not very up to date at the moment. Um, uh, probably, probably Instagram or, or YouTube if you just search uh, my name, which is Charlotte Karivik, or my Instagram handle is just Charlotte Guitar, which is a lot easier to to remember and to to find. Um, mm. And then you could, I think, you can find all the links through that, which is probably um, probably the the easiest way to do it. But uh, yeah, cool. We'll stick with some links to that in the show notes so people can find those easily. Um, It's been great chatting to you. I've really enjoyed it. And hopefully I'll get a chance to see you play live again soon. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, hopefully meet you in person. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Thank you very much. And there we have it. I'll um, I'll put some notes, um, links in the show notes to the things that Charlotte talked about, the Flatpick of the Week series, uh, as well as some links to Midnight Sky Racer, um, Charlotte's Patreon page, and link to things like Sore Fingers that were mentioned as well. So you know where to go to find all that out. Um, Yeah, another great interview. Really enjoyed that one. I will see you guys next time. Have a great week and happy picking. Bluegrass Jamalong is proud to be sponsored by Collings Guitars and Mandolins, making some of the finest guitars and mandolins in the world since the 1970s. Visit collingsguitars.com and find out why.